0: You're listening to
1: Sportsnet Today
0: with Logan Gordon
1: on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. puck comes loose in center, and the final few seconds will come off the clock. in Scotiabank Saddleville
0: to Calgary as the Oilers win what was a hard-fought Battle of Alberta. They get a fortuitous bounce on the go-ahead and game-winning goal in the third period and they stretch their franchise-record-long winning streak to 13 games and rewrite the National Hockey League record book, the longest winning streak by a Canadian team in NHL history, as the Orders defeat the Flames by a final score of 3 to 1
2: on a hockey day in Canada. Back and forth they go after a four-game winning streak including a 3-2 win over Arizona to kick off this six-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. They've now lost back-to-back games and set up a massive game with the St. Louis Blues Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Welcome into another edition of Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. we got a lot to dive into with the Calgary Flames. Another loss in the Battle of Alberta. Some off the ice news, some good news in practice on Monday. We'll look ahead to a massive game against the St. Louis Blues coming up on Tuesday. That's game four of six on this homestand for the Calgary Flames. Also on the program, of course, we'll check in with Emily Sadler as we always do on a Monday. Chat all things NFL with Sportsnet.ca's own. uh, AFC and NFC championships are set after a fun divisional round of playoffs Saturday and Sunday. And we'll also go around the NHL with Scott Laughlin from Sirius XM. NHL Network Radio in Hour 2. So stick around. we got a busy show for you on this Monday. Quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you at 960-960. Feel free to shoot us a text on this Monday. We'd love to hear from you. My outstanding producers on the program this afternoon are Cam and Azam. Let's start things off with the Calgary Flames. Back at practice on Monday, as you heard from Derek in the intro, a hard-fought 3-1 loss to the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night to close off another edition of Hockey Day in Canada. And for the Flames, back-to-back losses now to Canadian opponents. The Leafs came in with a 4-3 victory on Thursday. Oilers dropped them on Saturday. And a lot of the work done on that four-game winning streak Push back now for the Calgary Flames who have three games left on this homestand and a big matchup with the St. Louis Blues coming up on Tuesday who trailed the Calgary Flames by just one point in the race for a Western Conference wild card spot. St. Louis also holds two games in hand with Calgary who has slid four points behind the Nashville Predators for that final wildcard spot thanks to back-to-back losses. Uh, we have a ton to talk about with the Calgary Flames uh, of course, that loss Saturday, a tough one for the team. Dan Vladar was outstanding. Managed to shut down Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid, but still not enough for this Flames group to come out with the victory. We had an Adam Klapka debut. Matt Coronado was back in the lineup. That was great to see. Dennis Gilbert was out there as well. So lots of of good things. But again, back-to-back losses, and we have talked about this a lot last week, was... It can't be one step forward, two steps back, or one game here, two games there. It's just it's gonna be too much for this Calgary Flames team to overcome all the other teams around them when the winning streaks go from four in a row to two in a row losing. And you can snap the streak on Tuesday. We gotta get back to those winning ways and you gotta try to make up that ground because it changes so quickly on a night-to-night basis in the NHL, that even just a a two-game losing streak at home, like I said, now puts them on this Monday, four points back of Nashville. And the Edmonton Oilers continue to climb. The Arizona Coyotes are tied with you in points. The Kraken and the Blues are right on your heels. Minnesota has won two in a row and are now just two points back of the Calgary Flames as well. There's a lot of teams in this Western Conference Fighting for that wild card spot. you got to keep as much momentum going forward if you're the Calgary Flames as you possibly can. And perhaps good news on the horizon. Not that Dan Vodar was bad by any uh, means on Saturday, but Jacob Markstrom was back with the club for a full practice on Monday. Part of a lot of storylines we have to dive into on this Monday. Um, Quickly did want to give credit to Adam Klapka. It was not a lengthy debut for him. He didn't see a ton of ice time in his first NHL game, but I thought made himself noticeable, was physical, as you would expect. Had a couple of opportunities in the game, finished the night with uh, just 6.06 of ice time. We'll see what it means for him going forward, um, whether he'll see some more game action with the Calgary Flames. That fourth line didn't play much either. If you're, if you're curious, A.J. Greer was at 6.13, Ruzicko was at 603 so it wasn't wasn't just Klapka that didn't see a lot the Flames shortened their bench as the third period went on to try to create some offense they obviously weren't able to and the Oilers walked out with a 3-1 victory Monday at the Scotiabank Saddledome let's uh, let's talk about uh, what happened Sunday before we get into practice on Monday uh, the Flames did uh, announce that Dylan Dube uh, has stepped away from the team uh, for an indefinite time period uh, for mental health reasons. So obviously not at practice on Monday. Um, the team did release a statement. That I will read to you. Uh, quote Dylan Dubey has been granted. An indefinite leave of absence from the team. While he attends to mental health. To his mental health excuse me. Dylan is under the care of health professionals. And we request that Dylan's privacy is respected. During this period. It's unfortunate. For a number of reasons. First things first. I hope Dylan's okay. Um, Mental health isn't anything to be taken lightly. I I hate that we have to go through it again with another Flames player. And we have positive news from, uh, you know, the last guy that had to go through something similar like this with Oliver Shillington on this Monday. And that's so fantastic. Um, But it sucks to have to talk about this again. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll repeat a lot of what we said with Oliver and that's that I don't really care what the circumstances are. I don't need details. You don't need details just because they're professional hockey players and they're in the spotlight. Doesn't mean that we're privy to any details of their personal life. They can share what they want to share with us, but just because they get paid lots of money and and play pro sports doesn't mean that we uh, automatically get to know what's going on in their personal life and Um, I hope everyone can respect Dylan's privacy in that sense. But most of all, same with Oliver. I just hope the guy's okay. I, I don't think people always realize how hard it is to step away. Like This is a dream for these guys. This is what they've wanted to do since they were kids. I don't imagine any part of it is easy to say, hey, I need to step away from it. There's no guarantee that you're ever back. There's no guarantee that you're ever the same player or given the same opportunity. But to do what's best for you as a person, because hockey's not your entire life. It's not all you'll do on the earth. Uh, It's important to make sure that that's handled, and I I hope we see a, a similar success story like we're seeing with Oliver Shillington with Dylan Dubé. Um, again, there's no timeline on this thing. There won't be daily questions about it. There won't be daily answers about it. Um, I know we're not going to poke and prod Dylan or the team for any answers. I just hope the guy's okay. Um, I know it's been a tough season for him on the ice and uh, a lot of people have looked at that and, um, been frustrated with it, but at the same time, you know, what Dylan it does as a person and does away from the ice is infinitely more important than any of that. So just wanted to get that uh, underway. I know that was big news over the weekend. Uh, So right now, Dylan Dubé away from the team indefinitely, and we wish him uh, the absolute best. Now, the other side of that coin is, as I mentioned, Oliver Shillington was back with the Calgary flames today for his first full practice with the group at the Scotiabank Saddledome since May of 2022. That's uh, incredible. Um, Great news for Oliver after uh, conditioning stints on the uh, LTIR list with the Calgary Wranglers, got into a couple of games with them was operating as the seventh defenseman at practice today. So again, no timeline on this, but it's a positive step. It's one of many that we've talked about in this process for Oliver and does mean that he is getting closer and closer to an NHL debut. Again, to put a timeline on it, wouldn't be fair to Oliver. It wouldn't be fair to the process, so we're not going to do that. But I can definitely tell you that it means it's getting closer and closer for Oliver. And this is just another big step for him on his way to a potential NHL return. So that's really good news for Oliver Shillington and the Calgary Flames. And, of course, Jacob Markstrom. Uh, looks like he's going to be ready to return to the goal uh, Tuesday against the St. Louis Blues as he was a full participant at practice as well. Can also tell you Andrew Manjapani had a maintenance day today so did not participate at practice. Um, that's per head coach Ryan Huska. So your lines uh, pretty much all the same except A.J. Greer moved up to that spot where Manjapani is with Backlund and Coleman. Uh, they had Nick Simone operating as a forward on the fourth line with Ruzichka and Klapka. Gilbert was with Osterley, and again, Oliver Shillington operating uh, at practice as the extra defenseman. So we won't put a timeline on uh, whether or not we'll see him this week or anytime soon, but we will hear from him in a couple of moments as we get to the latest from the Flames locker room on this practice day, and that's uh, where we'll start. Uh, Today we'll go to head coach Ryan Huska. A lot to get to with Ryan here. Uh, Two-game losing streak for the Flames. The unfortunate news with Dylan Dubé, the good news with Oliver Shillington, health-wise for Jacob Markstrom, a ton to get to as we check in with the Flames head coach from the locker room following a practice Monday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Coach, how great was it to see Oliver back out there awesome.
0: today? Yeah, it was really nice to see him. I mean, he's been floating around our room off and on for a bit, and then we lost him when he went with the Wranglers, but... Um, it's nice to see him in a different place than than when he first came back. So we're really happy for him and we were excited that he was able to join us today.
3: What can that do for a group when they see or you see a guy that, that's gone through a lot, and yeah. back? like the energy jolt that might, that might be provided there? Yeah,
0: I, I think you hit it there with that. Like, you know, they're all with him and they all support him all the way through. Um, he's good friends with a lot of guys on our team. So, you know, it hits home when someone goes through some tough times like that. So having him back and all the guys seeing all the stuff that he's gone through to get himself in a position where he's getting closer to playing um they're they're happy for him and it does bring some energy to our room for sure is it a day of kind of mixed emotions because the oliver thing and then the you know the dylan thing as well what kind of yeah i mean it's you know the one thing i will say on that regard i think our team has done an excellent job of supporting these guys along the way you know um sometimes there's some some Tough things that go on for uh, young people, for any any person, but I think our organization's done a fantastic job of supporting.
1: Um, You know, professional sports are obviously you know or or male professional sports being hyper masculine. It's about strength and all that, and I mean it does feel very important that we're sort of in a place now where you know mental health and and people's struggles are 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 talked about and
2: and supported. Yeah, I think
0: it's. I mean, it's kind of becoming the norm now um, that people aren't afraid to voice it. You know and that is a good thing there is no doubt about that because i think probably for too many people for too long they felt like they had to keep things in Um, and now i think because of the shift that's taken place there is a much greater realization that the the most important thing is to be able to get some of that stuff out and be able to talk and um, understand why and and how to deal with some of the things you're going through so um, without a doubt
1: how often were you keeping up with Oliver as he was going through it? Um, n- not a ton. I never
0: called him every day or anything like that. I would send him texts, oftentimes from the road when we're sitting on the bus or we'd land in a, a different city, I'd send him a text to see how he was doing and if his uh, buddy was still in town or family was still in town. But um, you try to respect their time away too. So I, I wasn't a, a everyday type of check-in with him, but um, more often than not it was a text every few weeks.
2: When you, when you go back to like your
1: your your history with him goes back quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Does it kind of hit a little bit differently when you see what he's gone through and, and seeing him back and, and ready to be at this point?
0: Yeah, the when it first started, like what is it, almost a year and a half ago? Um, like we we had him at 18 in the minors. He was a young guy, um, and you don't sometimes see it, right? And and that's why it's important to. Um, for guys to feel comfortable that they always have someone to talk to, you know, so yeah, it was uh, it was different for sure is this, In both of these cases, I think it's probably a pretty good reminder uh, That you never know what's going on in someone's life like in either case. I'm assuming you never saw
1: this coming
0: No, I mean hey, we always know when a player is going through tough times As coaches you do and you try to have that dialogue and you know when some, someone's struggling, but you don't know the extent of it because um, to your question um, there's a lot more comfort being able to talk about things now, but there's still, you know, a stretch of a person or, um, that's guarded and they still will hold things in. So, you know, it's, 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 it can be a challenge but um, you want to do your best to make sure the players know that they come in anytime time and, and voice something to you and it's going to stay in your coach's office with that person, but um, it's still, you're still working to get there, right? They're still guarded at times.
3: Ryan, have you noticed a shift in your time in the league or conversations about mental health now compared to when you first started?
0: Yeah, there was no... I mean, now guys will tell you, hey, I'm struggling right now or I'm, I'm in a bit of a rut, I'm not playing well. And um, it, There's all sorts of different things, whereas before it was never the case. More of it was just, hey, you're not playing well, you need to fix your game. And that's pretty much the extent of conversations, but they've changed pretty significantly over the last little while
1: some uncertainty about whether or not Oliver would start this season and ultimately got to the point where it didn't. I guess I'm more just curious, Like, what was the approach with handling Oliver as he was going through what he was going through and he himself was still trying to figure out if, if he was ready, specifically at that point the beginning of this season when we saw him in the promo shoots for the team, but ultimately he wasn't ready for camp.
0: Yeah, and that's he felt as he was coming back this year that, hey, I, I feel like I'm at that place. But when he got back here, he realized that he wasn't. So then it was a plan that was set up again by our medical team. And they did a, a wonderful job of working with him and giving him what he needed at, at certain times. And then it comes a point where... Um, he's he's kind of ready to take that next step like we've seen all the way along here and, and he's continued to progress but i think a lot of it was the work our medical team did with him um, from our trainers to our doctors and to the help that he's had back home from different people to get him to the point where um, he's fired up again and it's nice to see
1: is that plan is just with talking with the right people and also getting him to skate is that what the
0: yeah and that he was a big part of the whole plan you know, he was. Uh, it's not us telling him this is what you're going to have to do. It was working with him in a lot of different ways. Right. it's
1: been a while since we've seen Oliver play at the NHL level. If you could remind us of how he's progressed as a
0: player from playing in the AHL at 18 to uh, becoming a top four guy in this league. Yeah, he became a checker, if you want to call it that, here at the NHL level because of his foot speed. So we used him with Chris when he was playing again, if you remember, um... And he did a good job against top lines because he's got the skating ability that allows him to close really quickly. So he takes away time and space. um, And he's a hard player to play against because of how quick he is. Um, When he was younger in the American League, he was all run and gun. So it took him a little bit of time to shift that and understand that if I want to play in the NHL, I have to add something to my game. But he worked on it, made himself a better player.
3: Spot. Is there
1: a, a significance outside of the rink and outside of this organization of these two guys being willing to be open about mental health and say, hey, this is something I'm going through?
0: Um, I don't know for sure, but I would say without a doubt. Um, I think, while well, NHL players, a lot of young people look up to them, and if they see someone with the courage that's willing to um, – say I'm not in a good spot right now or I'm struggling, then they probably would look at it as like, hey, if I'm in that situation, I could probably do the same. So I think without a doubt.
1: Um, yeah, I didn't see uh, Andrew Majapani out there? Yeah, he
0: was a maintenance day today. Yeah. I'm
1: assuming there's no timeline still
0: on Oliver's return to an NHL game? No timeline. But the way he looked today, it looks like he hasn't missed a beat on the ice in practice today. So, But we do not have a timeline yet, no
1: was here about ring rest, but he can still skate, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> and his conditioning, I used to laugh at Ricky, our strength guy. He uh, he, he was never worried about his conditioning because he's like, Oliver could do nothing for three, four weeks, two months, and he'd probably be on the top of our conditioning. He's natural, um, and that's why he skates the way he does. So he, um, Ricky was never worried about whether he'd be in shape at all. Yeah.
1: Does he go to you
0: then and say, like, when he's ready kind of thing? Is that what what you're... Yeah, that communication back and forth. But we have to feel like he's he's ready to help our team as well. So that's something. So he, he works towards becoming a coach's decision, and that's what he's doing with this next step by getting back into practice with us.
2: There you go. That's head coach Ryan Huska following a practice day at the Scotiabank Sound on Monday. Probably the most significant update and in in-depth um, analysis that we've heard on Oliver Shillington since his return with the team and with the Calgary Wranglers. And as you heard at the end there, now just a, a process of Oliver, you know, sort of showing he can help the team communicating with head coach, Ryan Huska as to when he feels he's ready to jump back into the lineup. And as he, again, as you heard during that whole sit down with Ryan Huska, the conditioning, the skating, everybody seems to be incredibly impressed with just how well Oliver has looked out on the ice uh, over these last couple of weeks. So Again, not putting a timeline on it. Ryan wasn't putting a timeline on it. Um, But certainly lots of good signs for Oliver Shillington. And that's uh, good news for Flames fans and, of course, uh, for Oliver himself, who also spoke to the media Monday following uh, his first full practice with the Flames in a long time and uh, just spoke about what it was like to be back with the big club and and take another step towards uh, an NHL return. Here's Oliver Shillington, his thoughts following a practice with the Flames on Monday. How do
3: you feel? I felt good, yeah. It's fun to uh, see everyone again, and it was fun to uh, share the ice with everyone, so I felt good. Is it, like, what, what has maybe the past little bit kind of been, like, getting to this point? Just Did you have today circled on your calendar? Like, what goes into your head for that? Yeah, <laughs> I knew that uh, this day was, was about to come, so I I uh, was looking forward to it, and I, I just try to really approach it as any other day, but it was kind of hard. Yesterday, I... I had a moment for myself, and I, I, um, it was one point at time I didn't think I was gonna be here. Uh, so uh, it was kind of emotional, but but uh, in a good way. So I, I, I was excited to come here today and, and see everyone, and and um, yeah, like I said, just share the ice with everyone and and play hockey again. How, How, instrumental was How instrumental have your teammates been in, in helping you along the way? No, they've been a great support system. Uh, everyone basically uh, checking in with me and, and texting and calling and, and just uh, being there as a friend. So uh, Everyone's been a part of, of my process uh, in some bits. So. I appreciate uh, everyone that's uh, that's been been there for me uh, in this pr- in this process so yeah you, you try to uh you talk about having a moment yesterday did you try to take it all in today and kind of embrace it being back with everybody yeah yeah i did i mean i feel i felt that today felt kind of normal like it just felt like uh, i've been here so many times so uh i was just happy and i i got a lot of energy out of it so uh, I just felt like, like myself again so it was just fun to like I said, share the ice and, and be out there and, and compete so it was fun Is How do that- you feel
1: getting to lead your team in stretches at the end and then have, I'm not sure which teammate but someone yelled welcome back.
3: How did that feel? Uh, yeah you feel the love I mean uh, I feel like you know I've been playing with a lot of guys in this dressing room for a long time so uh, you build relationships and, and you, you care for each other so you feel that for sure and, and uh, yeah it's just uh, good love so I appreciate that yeah which, for sure
1: which guy yelled welcome back sorry someone on the ice as you were going through stretches yelled
3: welcome back uh, I, I, it's I, all good to be honest I can't remember who it was <laughs> but I heard <laughs> of many of many guys yelling it so yeah but I, I appreciate that yes yeah, I there too how'd that feel like you got a little love from your guys there uh I can still shoot, so yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with it, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it feeling normal
1: and there being all these people you know, but I saw at Kenzie Weger I and mean, there's gotta be a bunch of guys here. Like, yeah, it's a very different team than. than yeah, 1. for 2, sure.
3: Right? Yeah, no, the new guys. I mean, they're not new, but for me, they're a bit new. But but all of the guys are great, and and like Weeks, Hoops, and 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 all those guys that I haven't seen much and sharky and those guys uh, uh they've been great to me since since i first met him so uh, it's a great group of guys in this dressing room and and i'm just uh, happy to be part of it So,
1: oh, there a hurt? lot of people saw the heart emoji on the announcement about dylan yesterday how, how important is it for you to to show support for him
3: no it's very i mean uh i've, I've played with dupes for a long time I, I know him pretty well and i'm not sure what he's going through but uh I'm there for him, and, and uh, when he's ready uh, and he wants to share, I, uh, I I know how it feels. So I, I'm there for him, and I, I think the whole organization supports him and his decision, and, and just wants to uh, just wants him to feel better and and, and take uh, those steps uh, to get back. So um, I just care for him.
1: Is there is there, is there a belief that uh, you know hockey could be your salvation, like a, a place where you can get away and just have fun and not think about?
3: other things I mean yeah I mean I mean we're athletes right sorry <laughs> we're athletes I mean we're we're human beings so I mean I think it's important to see that we're like you guys right and, and we we go through a lot of stuff in, in our lives too so um, it doesn't have to be that it's hockey related right it can be so much else so you just want to support them as a human being and be there for them There you go. Flames defenseman
2: Oliver Shillington after his first practice back with the team uh, in a long time. Really great to hear from him. Great to see uh, him feeling good about himself. Uh, Mentioned it was a bit of an emotional return for him, even just getting back to practice with the big club. Maybe something he didn't see coming, but uh, again, great to see. Great to hear from Oliver. Uh, We'll continue to hear from uh, more members of the Calgary Flames following practice today. Uh, A little bit later, we'll hear from the captain, Michael Backlund. Chris Tanev, and Jacob Markstrom coming up in a little bit. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. you are going to switch our focus over to the NFL, where the AFC and NFC Championship games are set for Sunday. We'll review what happened this weekend with Emily Sadler from sportsnet.ca. Our Monday regular joins us next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: And now here's bass we talked to sean mcdermott after his one for three performance last week he has tremendous support in the building if he has to make one for us the game on the line he will 44 yards bass no he doesn't make it wide right wow the two most dreaded words in buffalo have surfaced again what an unbelievable stand kansas city really did stand up and make it very difficult on every Three plays to make it, Buffalo just didn't have anything easy, no big plays. And to me, the pressure of that moment, it's just so intense, Jim. It's not over here right now, now but Kansas the City is yep. definitely in a driver's seat.
2: Oh, Buffalo. Tyler Bass misses it wide right, as you heard from Jim Nance and the Kansas City Chiefs are off to their sixth straight conference championship. It was a thriller to end off the divisional round in the NFL. Lots to get to with our next guest from Sportsnet. Our Monday regular chatting NFL with us on Sportsnet today. Very happy to welcome in Emily Sadler. Emily, happy Monday. How are you?
4: happy Monday. Uh, I'm like sweaty palms, nervous all over again, re-listening to that. <laughs> I'm like, I know the outcome of that field goal. And yet here I am like, Oh my gosh. Oh, and
2: you Literally know what? I it. was just, I'm listening oh. to it again there. And I didn't even hear when I was watching it live. I didn't even really recognize Jim Nance going through all oh, the, the Buffalo team has so much faith in Tyler Bass and the whole yeah. organization believes in him. And for <laughs> these kind of moments, and then he, he kicks it right, and I'm like, "Oh, Jim, that's like the biggest kicker curse I've ever heard."
4: I know it was kind of like the football equivalent of like, you know, shutout, uh, <laughs> yes. shutout with a goaltender or something. Yeah, that was just oh my gosh to relive that just so much pain. And I say that not even as a member of Bill's mafia. I just I feel for the fan base. But what a game that was such a
2: great game there really is nowhere else to start these two teams just play nothing but classics doesn't matter if it's an arrowhead or an orchard park uh these two teams just go toe to toe in the postseason and we don't even really know what happens if he makes that kick it's a tie game maybe kansas city goes down and scores maybe we go to overtime but the result has been the same every single time for buffalo and there's just something about the kansas city chiefs that make them very hard to beat at this time of the season emily
4: yeah, absolutely. You raise a good point. Like, you know, you kind of think back on the field goal as though it would have won them the game. It would have just tied them the game. Yeah. And- and yeah, who knows what would have happened. I think, I don't know anyone who was not praying for overtime in that one, just considering (laughs) the history between these two teams and considering, you know, their last playoff game literally changed the game, changed the playoff overtime rules. So I, that was where the majority of my own heartbreak from it came from was just, I wanted more. It was such a great game between these two teams. It was everything that we wanted it to be right. Like it was chaotic at times. We had a fake punt with Damar Hamlin involved. We had a touchback. We had a drop pass that absolutely would have changed the game for the Bills. And then, of course, the missed field goal. And even just in terms of the officiating, like, it was a pretty clean game. We didn't have uh, very many penalties. We had no interceptions, no sacks. Like, it was just one of those classic games that – was almost even better than that legendary 13 second game right just in terms of how well the two sides played and just even you know it it's always going to be about the quarterbacks with these two teams but it was really the defenses that stepped up in so many ways particularly for Kansas City so it was a full team effort on both sides and it was just it was such a blast it's just such a shame we couldn't have more of it
2: yeah that would have been the only thing to make it better was just a, a couple more minutes of intense football would have been Uh, fantastic I think one of the big narratives walking into this game Emily was that Patrick Mahomes had never done it on the road and that this was going to be a a big test for him and and, you know heading into Buffalo is a tough environment we know all that but I mean should we really be that surprised that Patrick Mahomes won a road game in Buffalo it was cold in Kansas City a couple weeks ago and it's not like the guy's never been on the road in Buffalo was that maybe too big of a story heading into this one?
4: Yeah, I think it. I know for me, it didn't. It didn't really make me doubt whether or not they could get this game. It was more. It was honestly more of like an interesting trivia, right? Like, yes, yeah, so that's I, a good
2: way of putting at it. At yeah. what
4: point? Yeah, like just you know, to have someone who you know he's in his sixth year as a starter here. He's he's never played a road playoff game. Like that's in, <laughs> that's incredible, and you know that's with all of those Super Bowls. So just to know that like it's, it's a first for him. Like he's, he's accomplished so much. And then now all the way down the road in his career here um, to get his first playoff uh, win on the road and to have it, you know, against a team that he's got such history with, it certainly didn't. Um, it, It added to the intrigue for sure. I don't think it really added to expectations, but you know, on the other hand, it could always, when you're when you're looking at a team like Buffalo who they really do feed off of their home crowd, maybe it could have given them a slight edge there, but it kind of is just as Mahomes himself said after the game, right? Like we can win anywhere. And they proved that. Um it it's really came down to like their biggest weapons, stepping up in the biggest way. And and I think that's where, you know, when we talk about the intangibles of and just the experience, like I know it's kind of cliche, but To me, like that's what really stood out in this one. Like this team knows how to win. They know like when they need to step up, and they're just not daunted by anything.
2: And I wonder how much of that might be a comparison as to why one team has been so dominant in these playoff scenarios between these two teams, because you just mentioned, you know, the Kansas City weapons when it came down to it, Travis Kelsey, who maybe hasn't had, you know, as big a season as he's had in the past, he was there for two key touchdown grabs, whereas, you know, it's hard to find Stephon Diggs having a big moment in this game, and you gotta wonder, I just don't know what's what's next if you're Buffalo. Like, I, I can't sit here and tell you, you gotta tear it all down to the ground. You were 11-6, and six, you've picked up a playoff win this season. I mean, you can't, you know, lay it all out and say we gotta just beat Kansas City, because who knows if you see them in the playoffs or not, but it just feels like a very weird spot to be in if you're Buffalo, because... You're good, but you're just not good enough.
4: Yeah, it's it's going to be, I think, a really interesting off season, And it's of course, easy for me to say here right now. But I'm, the Stephon Diggs one, that's that's interesting to me. That's an interesting storyline because, you know, he and Josh Allen, they've had such incredible chemistry the last couple of years. This year, like, something was kind of always off with this team in general, as we know, as we've talked every week about the Bills and yeah. just, the roller coaster ride that was their season, but, you know, it really in this game, we've already referenced that dropped pass. That could have been an absolute game breaker for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. It was, it was in his hands. It went through his hands and, and those are the kind of plays that Diggs has made a career out of. And so to have them not be able to connect there, it makes you look at Allen's weapons and, and think, okay, what else do we have to do? Like, maybe they can go out and, and, maybe spend the first round pick on a wide receiver or just another weapon there. Right. Because we know that this is a really strong defensive team. Obviously they were hit really hard with injuries. Um, So, you know, you can't overlook that, but what I'm really interested in when it comes to like what's next for the bills is kind of looking around them at the rest of the AFC, because it's hard not to look at this year as like, what if this was their best opportunity, right? Because, Of course, yeah, the Chiefs, as we now know, stronger than ever, just as good as they've been um, the last six years. But, you know, Joe Burrow was injured. The Bengals were not a factor. They will be back. Trevor Lawrence struggled. They, you have to believe, will be back. The Browns had a lot of injuries. They are probably going to be back considering their defense, right? We know C.J. Stroud is on the rise. Look at Justin Herbert. He's going to have a new coach. So I think it's one of those, like, when you look at the rest of the AFC around the Buffalo Bills, like, sure, I think they can continue to keep pace. I think they can continue to win the division and be a strong contender. But what is what is that thing that is going to actually separate them from the rest of that pack that's just going to be busy gaining ground on them?
2: Uh, sticking in the AFC, we kicked off uh, the weekend of games with the Ravens hosting the uh, Houston Texans. And uh, I give Houston a lot of credit, 10-10 at halftime. I don't know if a lot of people would have had that there, but the second half kind of felt like separating a a good team from a great team, and a quick reminder, uh, probably for the Kansas City Chiefs, that Lamar Jackson is as dangerous as ever when it comes to rushing and throwing the ball. When he really finds that balance, Emily, and he starts going on those 20, 15-yard touchdown runs himself, I don't know how you game plan to stop that guy.
4: I don't know that you can. Yeah. I think in this game, you're right. As you pointed out, it looked, it was close at the half. Right. I and mean, I think it was just a matter of the Ravens kind of, all right, we're, we're in this, we're playing football again. We've had a couple of weeks off here. Um, but when you look at, especially like the rushing totals, I mean, this Houston defense, they had a really good run defense. They yep. were, I think a, a top three at least. And, Um, D'Amico Ryan said really turned that unit around. And then to look at the disparity in rushing yards in this one, it's wild. You know, they just did not have a solution for Lamar Jackson and that amazing run defense. And I think when you look at yesterday's game between the Bills and Chiefs, just in terms of the Chiefs' hopes, abilities to maybe stop or slow down Baltimore next week, you know, Buffalo did a great job of running against the Chiefs, and they – they really just they continuously ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. And that was, you know, that's like James Cook has been excellent, but no one is as dynamic a runner as Lamar Jackson. So it'll be really interesting to see how the Chiefs kind of um, – how they approach that, if they can approach um, some kind of a game plan against Lamar Jackson. We know how strong this Chiefs defense has been, but it will just be a matter of can anyone stop Jackson? He's just – when he decides that – he's going to go for it it's just so hard to stop him and it's incredibly fun to watch
2: it really is he is so scary when he has that confidence as a runner and then you you go all in to stop him and he finds you know like Isaiah likely on a touch it's just it's so hard to stop and I'm very very curious to see what Kansas City uh tries to draw up next weekend because if it's like that uh, good luck I have no idea what exactly you do to stop that guy <laughs> Uh, over in the NFC, we kick things off with the Packers and the 49ers. 24-21, uh, San Fran gets the win. Jordan Love's uh, great first season as a starter uh, comes to an end. Uh, a lot of people will, will focus in on that interception late in the game, but I think that would probably be taking away from a pretty good season overall for Jordan Love um, and you know maybe not giving him enough credit for getting to this point for a 9-8 Packers team that had a lot of questions in the post. Aaron Rodgers era Emily
4: yeah absolutely it's it's too bad that it ended on that note but at the same time it's hard to look like if you look around the league it's hard to see a team with a brighter future um than the one in Green Bay obviously you can look at Houston uh really great future ahead of ahead of them with CJ Stroud but with Jordan Love like we really we didn't know what we were going to be in for this season. And I think based on the way the season started, you know, it was still really up in the air at the mid season point and to see him just like really come into form and the the whole team, really, they just have been such a great example of like, okay, it might take a little time, but we're going to get up to speed here and come together as a cohesive unit. And I think in this game in particular against San Francisco, it was an interesting case, right. Of like, did the better team win? Yes. There's no denying San Francisco is worthy of that number one seed. They are as complete a team as you can get. But I don't know that, the, like, I don't know really that San Francisco necessarily outplayed Green Bay. The Packers put together a great game plan. Jordan Love was excellent throughout the whole game. It was just that one, that last play that it almost had the feel of, you know, every young quarterback dreams of having the game in his hands, one minute left, drive down the field. Uh, make that hero play and it just sort of I think maybe that big moment got the best of him but he's definitely someone who we've seen throughout the season he's learned from his mistakes and I think definitely he's he's going to take that and and certainly learn from that and I think we'll see um, a better quarterback next year for it.
2: What about the the San Francisco side of things obviously they were the favorite coming in they had the bye week uh, which we're learning is, is a pretty valuable thing in this new playoff format in the NFL uh but like you said it's not like they really blew out the Green Bay Packers it was a, a three-point game they had a a late touchdown drive that ended in a Christian McCaffrey touchdown in the fourth quarter did you walk away more worried about the 49ers or is it just one of those things where they got it done when they needed to and they just kind of continue on in this race
4: yeah that's a good question I I'm not sure I've really made up my mind on it necessarily yet, but I think I I know a lot of it is going to hinge just looking forward on, on Devo Samuel and like, how is he going to be available for the next game? Because he really does change the game, like whether or not he's in it. And so I think that has a ton to do with this just in terms of, you know, we have, we know they have elite weapons at every position, but remove one of them, and it really (laughs) does change them. I think, though, in general, it does make me a little bit more optimistic just in the way that, you know, they were in a position in that game against Green Bay where um, they were playing from behind. (laughs) They actually had to rally for the comeback win, which is something that we really haven't seen them have to do. And so I think to see them kind of face a bit of that adversity, to see Brock Purdy, who – you know, I think he's always going to have doubters, right? Just in terms of kind of everything about him, the whole package, the mystery, relevant to just you know having Kyle Shanahan as your head coach. He's never going to kind of get the, the quarterback. Maybe isn't going to get the kind of credit that he should. Sure. But to see him march the team down the field and get that, um, just pull out the win. I think that should give 49ers fans more confidence rather than looking at it like, oh my gosh, we almost lost to the Packers. I think it's more of a, hey, but we pulled out the win. We saw the adversity, we overcame it, and we're ready for what's next.
2: She's Emily Sadler, our Monday regular here on Sportsnet Today, breaking down all things from the divisional round of playoffs in the NFL. Uh, one more game to dive into. It was the Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cinderella story continues for Detroit, they use a dominant fourth quarter uh, to come out with a win, and it's just—it's hard not to cheer for Detroit. I, I've had this kind of feeling about them all year, and it just kind of continues. It was hard to not cheer for Tampa Bay in a sense too, because probably thought they'd be there, but here are the Lions again, scrappy as ever, coming down with key catches when they needed. I mean, I texted this to a friend of mine when I was watching the game. Uh, And I just said, I don't know if there's a receiver that's as underrated still as Amon Ross St. Brown is for Detroit. I mean, that guy is just he puts up big numbers every week. He seems to be there for a clutch catch. And here Detroit is on this magical run, walking into a conference championship in San Francisco. It's a pretty cool story.
4: It's such a great story. And I have to say, like, as much as I'm as much as I'm disappointed for Bill's fans, I'm kind of relieved that we're like not in a position where we could potentially have a Lions Bill Super Bowl. Cause I at the beginning of the weekend, I was just thinking, you know, looking ahead, being like, oh my gosh, what if we ended up with that? I'm not sure that the football <laughs> world would survive like those chicken <laughs> yeah. <two> faces, right? <laughs> so I'm kind of relieved. So now I can just safely be kind of all in on this Lions Cinderella story. But yeah, I mean they're an incredible story and just what a what a great kind of rise, right? And I think at the beginning of the season, or really rather at the end of last season, how they finished that year on such a strong note. Um, and then to go into this season with so many expectations and to not just live up to them, but really exceed them, I think. Um, and they've done so with just some really great weapons. And I think one of the players that, obviously has stood out quite a bit, Jameer Gibbs, right? And he was one of those players that in the spring, in the draft, when they took him very early, there were some raised eyebrows. And it was a little bit of a a question of like, okay, are you really going to take, you know, this guy who was maybe not even the highest rated running back in the draft, take him so early, but we saw why, right? And we've seen why in in every game that he's in. And he really came up clutch with some just like, he's such a dynamic runner. He really jumps off the screen and they really, they, they are genuinely a fun team to watch. And I think just if you're looking at really, when you're looking at the whole field now, this, this field of four, and the, in terms of having a complete team, it's, yeah, it's hard not to see the Lions as, like, you could argue that they are the most complete team just in terms of having weapons at every position.
2: Yeah, it certainly feels as though they're an equal to the groups at minimum that are here with the Final Four, and that's saying something for a team that hasn't been here in in 30-some years. So that leaves us with the two matchups in the Conference Championship Chiefs. At Ravens, Lions, at 49ers. It's the one seed versus the three seed in each conference. Uh, I love putting you on the spot with these ones, but if you only had to watch one on Sunday, which one intrigues you the most? I
4: totally knew this. I knew it. I
2: have to do it every time. Yeah, you do. And
4: it's. Fine, I forgive you. It's fine. As much as I've like just talked about this great story that is the Lions, like I'm so excited for Chiefs Ravens. I think it's gonna be an absolute blast. I think I tend to be like a little bit biased towards AFC. I think just this, there's always so much drama to be had in that conference and just considering the elite quarterbacks there, but I cannot wait to see Mahomes versus Jackson. Um, I can't wait to see the run games at play there. I I think that's really the one that's gonna be it, it's hard to predict right because it's like it could be a shootout but also those are two of the greatest defenses in the league and so it could be a real defensive affair either way I'm all in I'm very excited for that one
2: yeah and it's hard like, with all due respect to Goff and Purdy it's it's not nearly as it's sexy harder, to go to go yeah. home's Jag- It's like MVP <laughs> versus MVP and it's like but these guys Absolutely. are good stories. He was the last pick of the draft. <laughs> and, and, you know, remember know. when St. Louis didn't want Jared Goff? Isn't that fun, people? You're like, uh, yes. it is. But I think the other one might be a little bit funner.
4: I, I totally agree. Yeah, there's definitely, like, there's super intriguing storylines on both sides. But in terms of just, like, pure football, yeah. you have to go with anywhere. Anywhere Mahomes is and anywhere Jackson is, I'm there. And when you put the two together... Like yeah, I'm
2: all in. I can't wait for next week when we chat and we'll uh, we'll somehow be talking about uh, the Lions 49ers as an all time classic and we will be somehow bored by the Chiefs and Ravens and we'll both look uh, yeah. we'll both look really out. silly. Yeah, uh, Emily always enjoy the chats. Have a great week, hey eh? All right, you too. Bye. Thank you, Emily Sadler, joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline from Sportsnet.ca. She joins us every Monday to chat NFL here on Sportsnet today. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Going to kick off Hour 2 going around the NHL with SiriusXM. NHL Network Radio's Scott Laughlin. There's a lot of stories going around uh, the NHL right now. Corey Perry is an Edmonton Oiler. Uh, They're on a 13-game winning streak. Patrick Waugh is the new head coach of the New York Islanders. We'll get Scott's thoughts on all of that and more when we come back for Hour 2. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.